Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com, and you can find the podcast at www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Now, today, I have with me Elliot Davis, who is a values-based relationship coach. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Angela. How are you? (laughs) I am doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I want to talk about a lot of things, but since we're in kind of the pandemic and you're in Korea, I think a lot of people would be very interested in how Korea is handling the pandemic. So um, what's going on out there? Yeah. So I think it's, it's completely different or at least very different from the U.S. right now. So my family is based in the U.S. I'm from the U.S., and so I'm checking up on family a lot, right? Like, is, are there a lot of cases in your state, city, county? Uh, I have family in North Carolina and in Georgia. And, mm. um, you know, it's very interesting to, to witness and observe the difference in responses between people when, when told to wear masks or when told to socially distance or kind of um, come together to beat this thing. So that's probably been the most interesting thing uh, in terms of differences to observe. But in Korea, we're doing pretty well. We have mm-hmm. most of our freedoms. Uh, we have to wear masks for public transportation or in taxis or common areas, things like that. But no restaurants are shut down. No, uh, Some of the schools did uh, for a while, but those are opening back up now. And, Are the kids uh, wearing the masks all day in school? Because I know that I, I was curious about that. Yes. So supposed to wear masks all day in school and at work. And mm. I think we're a little bit lax with it at work. But um, <laughs> depending on like the, the context and how close you're sitting to people, some some of us are a little more strict. Well, and you were saying earlier before we started taping that you get these alerts all day. So what are these alerts that you're getting yeah, on your so, phone? So interesting, probably the most nonsensical one I got was during my my wedding. So I got married during COVID and we live streamed it on Instagram. And I got an emergency alert on my phone that was basically saying, it's crazy out here, wear a mask. Or just make sure you wear a mask. <laughs> and, it, and it cut out the video and audio stream for five minutes in the middle of our, our vows. So oh, wow. I didn't realize it until the very end. People were panicking, thinking we shut off and things like that. Um, so sometimes you just get <laughs> reminders like that, wear your mask. Other times, based on your location, because it's mm-hmm. geofenced, uh, it's saying there was a confirmed case near you. Um if you have been to any of these places at any of these times, please go get tested. And they're oh, very wow. specific. So they will say, hi, you are in the Gangnam area. Someone was just confirmed and their daily schedule was as follows. At 2 p.m., they were at Starbucks for 30 wow. minutes. And then they went to a Baskin Robbins and then they went to the doctor. So they will be very detailed in contact tracing. Um, And if you have been exposed to any of these areas, they want you to come in and get tested. Um, And testing is easy. It's widely available. And people can get it done fairly quickly. All right. Now, before we get into this next conversation, I just want to stop to give us a word from our new sponsors. So I am now working with a really cool company called Let's Get Checked. You can find them at trilgc.com slash stay kinky. What's really cool about this company actually is that they're doing testosterone testing for men and hormone checks for men and women. A lot of people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and reduced testosterone levels, which really can impact your sex life. And so more and more men and women are trying to test their hormone levels to see how they're doing. One in four men over 30 are actually low in testosterone. Symptoms you might want to look at include fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, even having a hard time making decisions, which is basically most of my client population. (laughs) Just teasing. But I mean, enough of you who come see me are actually really struggling with testosterone levels and your sex drive. So what's cool about this group 
group is you can pick from either a male hormone test kit, a female hormone test kit, or an STD test kit. And what's really cool is they send it right to you in your home. You do what you need to do to take the test. And depending on what test you use, you'll either have to do a blood sample or a blood sample and a urine sample. And then you send it back and everything's completely confidential. And basically, they deliver to your home, they collect your sample, they review your results for you. So depending on what happens with your test, they may provide a prescription in some cases. Usually it would only be for something like if they're treating STDs. If you do end up having something longer term like hormone therapy, then you'll likely be referred to a longer term provider. But at least you'll know where you stand. So it's really cool. Your results are available and they'll be reviewed by a physician. And then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. The Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and everything is completely anonymous. So again, that website is trylgc.com slash stay kinky and use the coupon code stay kinky to get 20% off. Wow. That makes sense for why you guys can actually do some more public things. Cause like here, we don't hear any of that. We just kind of hear like we're in Missouri. So we just found mm. out we're in a red state now, which means like, you know, we're, we're bad. <laughs> we're bad oh, wow. now. Um, and, and it stinks too, because it changes everything, you know, like even traveling state to state in some cases, you know, I've been telling my friends, like, if you are traveling, bring your negative tests with you just in right. case. Right. Uh, but to be honest, I don't think it's not between states so much as if it's if, as if people are trying to leave this country or if they're trying to go to the outer areas like Alaska, Hawaii, or Puerto Rico. Right. They are because they're smaller areas. They're really being tight on their restrictions and letting people in. Right. So I think, I think yeah, I don't think that's a bad call. Actually, um, I know that there aren't a lot of. Uh, people coming in and out of Korea, except for Koreans um, mm-hmm. coming back from overseas. And so a lot of the cases do end up being imported cases, but the majority of them being native Koreans just coming back. But mm-hmm. if I were to leave, um, if I were to go visit my parents, I believe, uh, or actually I'm not sure, there may be a quarantine uh, or some process in the States, depending on which state you enter. And then when I get back to Korea, I need to have a signed doctor's note with a negative test result, and I will still need to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, that's what I was seeing a lot in our outer areas where they Mm -hmm. can control whether people can come in or not, their borders, which I agree with you. I think it's probably a smart idea because you're just trying to protect your people from from getting hurt. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I think the scary part is there's no... Right now, there's no way to predict when things are going to open back up and when travel will be free and um, things will get back to this state of normality. I put that in air quotes. Um, but um, it's better to do that for the pause podcast. Yeah. Let people know you're actually air quoting because right. they can see it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so I think I. I think that's one of the hardest things about it. That what that's what makes it hard to wear your mask. That's what makes it hard to social distance because there's a lot of fatigue that sets in. There was panic at first, um, and oh, this is serious, and then it kind of wanes a bit. It becomes old news or older news, and wearing a mask gets tiring, paying attention to what you touch and constantly washing your hands. It gets tiring, making sure you have hand sanitizer. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's what's making the control of it and the self-mitigation really, really difficult, even in Korea, because there is this, this fatigue that sets in that makes it um, harder for individuals to kind of stay vigilant. Yeah, I've definitely seen that here too, where people kind of go in waves where they get a little bit like, they're like, okay, we're going to be okay. This is our new normal. We figured this out. Mm -hmm. But then you kind of hit like a a stumbling block or you just get tired and then people just don't care as much. But then, but then it comes too close to home because we're still struggling with it a lot more here in the United States. And so then somebody close by you gets it or you hear of a story and you're like, oh shoot, I need to get vigilant again. And so I see people kind of just oscillating between the two. Now we could talk about COVID forever, but I'm really interested (laughs) in also learning about your relationship coaching. So why don't you tell me a little bit about 
well, what you do, what makes you interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Um, so I am a relationship coach primarily for women that have um, just kind of been burned in love, uh, burned in dating, and they haven't had the, the greatest experiences. And so they have loved before, they have lost before, and they're wanting to get it right the next time. And I find that the best time for this, and sometimes I just go ahead and call myself a pre-relationship coach, again, air quotes around the pre, <laughs> um, because it's best to start preparing yourself for this marathon that is a relationship before you get on the starting line. And uh, a lot of people will ask for advice from friends, family, um, or seek out coaching or tips after they've met someone, after they've already fallen, after um, you know boundaries have been set or or broken, uh, after patterns have emerged. And by that time, it's hard to overturn those those patterns. And so, in my opinion, and in um, my work, I've seen great results in in solving a lot of those problems and setting patterns before the relationship ever begins, before um, the love interest kind of comes into the picture. Well, I kind of have a joke about this, like that mm -hmm. actually I believe that um, people fall in love at the wrong time, you know, like in the best, in the best scenario, you could set all your boundaries up front and then you could choose exactly when you fall in love. But the mm -hmm. problem is you don't choose when you fall in love. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I have this, this, these rules, these ideas, and then you fall in love and they all go out the window. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh no, what are we going to do? Yeah. So yeah. like, what are some of the patterns you see or you work on with people to help them, I guess, set themselves up for success? Yeah, so I think one of the most dangerous patterns is is this blind spot that gets created by past relationships. And let's say you had a um, a an ex that was constantly texting. All right, let's speak from the female perspective. You have an ex that was constantly texting female friends or an ex girlfriend, and that made you uncomfortable. Right. So in your new relationship, you are super vigilant about this. You're, you know, you were very clear up front. I don't really like that. I wouldn't, you know, I would prefer that you don't do that. You set boundaries around it and you're making sure you don't get burned by that again. Now, what by that, that causes, specific thing, by that <laughs> specific thing. Now, what that causes is this or creates is this, uh, other blind spot that you may have missed. This may be poor communication, or this may be actual physical unfaithfulness, or this might be emotional manipulation. But you're being so vigilant about not repeating your last mistake that you don't catch yourself making your current mistakes. And so that's where your point around the perfect world being you set your boundaries, you can control when you enter and um, exit relationships when you fall in love. That's, that's where setting those boundaries up front gives you the best fighting chance, I believe. Um, and and my, I've shown through clients to stick it out and make sure that you're setting yourself up for, for success in your next relationship. Because you so really do have to have some. Oh, on, what were you gonna say? I was. I was just going to say that uh, before you ever begin, you really have to understand your your deal breakers and your non negotiables. For instance. Well, so what's those, an example of a question or a way to help people figure out what their deal breakers are? Yeah, I think you can look to the past. You can look at past relationships, things that hurt you. Um, you can look at the relationships of others, whether those were positive or negative relationships. Um, I do find a lot of value in observing happy couples, and they can demonstrate healthy boundaries a lot of times. And then the third area is your values. So what is important to you um, to present through your relationship? 
do you want to be complete honesty or are there portions of your lives that you want to keep personal? Do you want to um, be uh, sexually um, sexually free and experimental and you have a non-negotiable around that? Well, that's something that you would want to clarify up front. Um, you know, if you have any unique personality quirks that need to be uh, embraced, things like that, then it's important to find a partner that can match that and complement that. And so those, those three areas, kind of your past relationships, the relationships of others, and then just doing your homework around what are your values, communication, honesty, faithfulness, um, sharing. Um, those are some of the basic ones, but you can get even more granular based on what you know to be important to you. So would you say then that, so some part of me is imagining, when do these things come out in a relationship? The first thing I think is, right, you're sitting at your first date and you just outline this for the potential candidates. Yeah. Like, so here are my values. Here's what I would do. And I was thinking, would that bombard somebody on a first date? So how do you, how yeah. do you encourage your clients to like bring this stuff up with new people, you know? without bombarding them essentially with the whole like three page essay. <laughs> right. Now, now you're going to, you're going to lose some people here because uh, you are exactly right. You can't outline everything on the first day or even the fifth day. You're not there yet. Depending on the flow of conversations, your chemistry, you might not be at that point, but the more time you spend in your values, in your boundaries, deal breakers, non-negotiables, the more convinced you will be of their value. So whether it's the third date or the 33rd date or the third month, um, you can, or the third month of the relationship, if something goes against those values, then you have already convinced yourself and, and told yourself that these are important. This is something that I can't do without and that you are more likely to communicate um, towards that with your partner or make a decision for self-preservation. I mean, I think a lot of people neglect their own hearts in relationships because they see the writing on the wall, but it hurts less while you're in it together than breaking up or having a difficult conversation, potentially getting, getting into an argument it's very tough on people. But if you can be convinced that that's the right thing to do, if you hear it, if you have validated it and affirmed it in your mind and heart, then I think it's a lot easier for my clients when they do meet someone to be strong in those areas. So can I ask you, how does one, how does one practice living in their values, whether they're single or in a relationship? That's something you said earlier, like you need to be confident in practicing your values. So like, what are ways that you help people, one, identify those, but then two, practice living in their values? Yeah, I think it's being intentional um, about what you want and how you want to get there. So let's, let's use the value of open communication. You grew up in a household where your parents kept secrets and your father left when you were 10 because he was leading a double life or something like that. So now your you typical are, childhood story, <laughs> your typical childhood story that you read about in the fairy tales, right? I know, right? Okay. Um, Come on, no. <laughs> but you know, extreme examples that will stick with people. I 100% do. It. I'm a therapist. I have like so many of those, but go on. It was just funny. It's like, just consider this typical story. <laughs> just, you know, you know, everybody does this. Just right, imagine this. On. I'm sure you know someone like this. I um, do. <laughs> and so, and so you have this situation and, um, it's about going into a relationship and no, you don't have to lay it, your three page essay um, on the table on the first date. But when challenging things arise, when you're questioned about your ex or when you ask a question about um, their romantic life or what they want um, in their future love life or do they want um, what type of future they see with you, you are forthcoming. You are completely honest. 
And so you're demonstrating this value you have, and it's not a surprise when you ask for it in return. I think that's one of the, the instances where a lot of conflict is created when you are requiring something that you haven't taken the opportunity to demonstrate. And it causes this disconnect and this comparison between people, especially early on in a relationship as they're trying to find their roles. You both have to kind of stand beside each other and walk in the same direction, metaphorically, um, in this open communication, in this um, transparency, given that example. That might be about your past, about your love life, about your future goals, um, or anything deep or shallow in between. But if that's your value, you have to you have to lean into that. Well, it sounds like you're talking about modeling, right? So you you can't expect a partner to do things that you aren't also doing, right? Like if yeah, you want right, somebody to exactly. be open with you, you have to work on showing that openness yourself. If you want somebody to be vulnerable, you have to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. If you want somebody to initiate sex, for example, then mm-hmm. you have to work on initiating sex too. It can't just exactly. be all one person's job, you know? And exactly. so that's what I think I'm hearing you say is that like, you no, know, you have to be the person in some ways that you want to attract not 100% but like be acting in the ways like whether it's respectful communication or conflict resolution you know like you have to be willing to do it too yeah you have to demonstrate that and what I found is a lot of people want that so going back to our extremely common typical (laughs) story (laughs) example they want that open communication but look at their childhood or maybe look at their past relationships. They never learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. They didn't learn that that was the right way. So they want it, but they don't trust it. So then it's, all right, how do we um, incentivize ourselves to find value in being more open? How can we model that behavior um, for our partners? Because it is not uncommon for people to want the things that they can't demonstrate or the or the traits want in a partner the traits and characteristics that they don't have mm. that's the whole you complete me argument um sometimes i've i've heard that and so um it's it's really just being real about all right here are my values how am i going to demonstrate this how am i going to um infuse this into my next relationship so that it has the best chance of, of lasting. Well, and to add to that, you know, even being single, I've definitely seen people who almost like put their lives on hold until they find that person. And so on their dating profile, they'll have things like, I want somebody to travel with, I want to go out to these places, but then they themselves aren't actively doing those things. They're waiting to find this partner to do it with. And it's like, no, what makes you an attractive person is the fact that you live your life actively. So if you oh, want yeah. to travel, then you should be traveling. You, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just learned that before this pandemic, my only hobby was socializing and I didn't realize oh. it. And it was really bad for the pandemic. So now I've taken up gardening. <laughs> but before yeah, well, it was just, I'm going to see this friend. I'm going to hang out with this friend. I'm just very extroverted. So the pandemic just totally fucked me over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I understand that. My wife and I were talking and we realized that our hobby was Netflix, especially during the pandemic and we, we were talking to each other like this cannot stand so uh, we were actually we were actually making bucket lists and things like that like how can we 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 want to do all these things and we do a lot of things but they are one-offs right so how mm-hmm. can we get a productive hobby that we can grow in get better at and do together Um, because as soon as you, what we found is there were a lot of things we liked individually, but weren't necessarily complimentary. I really love skiing. She really loves surfing. You can't really do those in the same place. And so (laughs) we're trying to figure out, we're trying to, and so then it takes a trip to do either one. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when you're lacking time, you can't take those two trips. You end up taking zero. And so we're trying to figure out what our shared hobby to to get great at will be. 
Well, I know what you guys can do. So like for the surfer, you just get a jet ski and you be jet skiing around <laughs> while she surfs. So there's that one. But then okay. for skiing, since you're a snow skier, then she can make mm. snow snowmen or just drink cocoa and hang out at the lodge. If she's, But it depends on if she's an extrovert. If she's an introvert, she's going to hate it. <laughs> uh, she'll have to talk no, to I people. Think she could, I, think she could, <laughs> I think she could manage that because her problem with skiing is that it's too cold. So if we're in the lodge... <laughs> Hot cocoa, hot cocoa, some chili. She'll mm-hmm, be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, she could at least try it once. You know, like I, I turned, I've never skied, but I totally want to try it. Although I think it'll be one of those one-offs. I don't think it's going to be a forever thing for me. Yeah. But the surfing and jet ski thing, you guys could do again and again. Like that's that's, that's a, a life great saver. idea. That's a great <laughs> idea. And when we become professional level ski um, surfers and jet skiers, then, then mm-hmm. I will attribute it to you. How good! I saved something. Not just yeah. <laughs> not like you were broken or anything, but no, like the pandemic did that to so many people. Where you're like, what are mm. we going to do with our lives? <laughs> right. Well, right. so and back so, to these people that were helping. Yes. So you kind of help them figure out their lives and try mm. to understand. All right, who do I need to be? How do I need to grow as a person so that I can really attract the kind of person I want to be with? And so, like, right. what are examples of? Things you've helped people figure out. I know that's really broad, but it'll help. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, and so a lot of it, surprisingly, they're, they're coming to me because of trauma in a past relationship. And may, maybe that's too dramatic of a word. A past relationship that did not go as planned. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything too serious. But they're trying to avoid uh, what just happened. And so uh, one woman I was working with was dating a guy for seven years. And all the while, she kind of knew that he didn't want to marry her. Mm. But she was hoping to change his mind by being loyal, being present, um, loving him. And of course, he gave her attention, validation, took her nice places, things like that. He but gave her as much she, as he could, but he couldn't he give her, her that one thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so maybe at a year in, that didn't feel so bad. But at seven, to break up after that, that was heartbreaking. Um, it makes you feel like, or makes you question, what have I been doing with my life? I, and then you start saying things like, I wasted seven years of my life. And we both know that it's not a complete waste. You learned a lot. Um, you did have experiences. Um, but that goes with knowing what you want as well, because at the first sign that ah, I'm not sure about getting married or, oh, I'm not ready for that yet. Um, put a clock or start a clock in your head. And after that clock expires and they haven't made a decision, you can't wait around for that. If, if your intention is to get married or if your intention is to, have a child or be in a serious relationship. Like some folks had uncommitted relationships for a year. Um, not necessarily unfaithful, but just wouldn't, wouldn't take the step to say we are boyfriend and girlfriend. So they're stuck in this mm-hmm. talking phase. And the woman was totally okay with it because, you know, she had a companion. She had someone to spend time with. She had someone to dote on and show affection to, also very important for a lot of my clients. And so with those things, uh, she was content. But if she was being honest with herself, she wanted something that she was more certain and secure uh, of the future. And she didn't get that. And so they'll come to me for that. It's about think, uh, taking learnings from that. How did that make you feel? Have you changed your mind on any of those desires? Do you still want to get married? Do you still want to be in a committed relationship? Okay, let's set this as a boundary. What are some approaches you can use to make sure you honor those boundaries? And so that's really the first step because women are super duper smart and they always know what they should be doing. They just don't always do it. Is what I, I think we feel just as a woman, I think often mm. we feel like, you know, you got to compromise in a relationship. And mm. so I think a lot of times women are compromising on more than they should at times, mm. like mm. not just 
So like, yeah, there's compromise. Like you, you like staying up late and I like to go to bed early. Okay. Let's sometimes go to bed early and sometimes I'll just go to bed early while you stay up late. But like those are, I feel like that's more of a day to day thing. Um, I think women compromise on their basic desires and values at times too. Like, cause they, they're, we're taught, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those ladies. So like you're kind of taught to accommodate, to, um, be a caretaker to be very accepting sometimes, maybe too accepting, maybe too forgiving at times because we're supposed to be the nice girl, you know? And well, so, and the, oh, go on. What the, were you going to say? Well, um, uh, a lot of a lot of women are um, just very good at resolution and finding uh, solutions, whether that be a compromise or sacrifice, smoothing things over is mm-hmm. a huge skill, um, finding balance and um, kind of, I guess, steadying the, the ship a bit is a yeah. huge, is a huge talent, right? But in that you lose some of yourself and what you want for, uh-huh. and when you open your eyes, when you wake up from that, you realize that you spent time, um, whether that was a few dates, a few months, a few years, giving up what you wanted. And the guy usually knows it. The guy usually feels it. He doesn't think he has convinced you forever. He thinks you, he has gotten you off of that soapbox for a time. Mm. And so there's always this, this awareness in a guy and, and that it will come up eventually. And then some misplaced anger when it comes up, right? We're like, oh, yep. we settled this. We've compromised. We said we weren't going to have kids. Uh, You said that you were cool with just hanging out. You said you were cool with this. And so there's this anger and not acceptance. And in the face of that, again, the uh, a lot of females take the role of the resolver and they and they find themselves in appeasement mode and trying to diffuse the conflict. So you were able to bring up that you were discontent about, you know, just hanging out and not being in a committed relationship. But then when the anger comes, you find yourself now addressing the anger. It's become about the anger, not becoming about the status of the relationship. Yeah, because people push themselves too far past their boundaries. That's something I've definitely noticed. So like mm -hmm. when you're talking about a boundary of, you know what, I really what I really want is to be married. I want to mm-hmm. eventually, and that doesn't mean you can't, you don't get married right away. Nobody gets married right away. Right. But right, right. if you, if you compromise yourself too long, I actually am anti-sacrifice in relationships. <laughs> so mm-hmm. go with me on this. Okay. But I've noticed that when people spend too much time sacrificing that that's when resentments occur. And if, and if a, a, a sacrifice occurs where they haven't been given some deep acknowledgement for taking that step, yes. um, then it, it, it becomes a very severe resentment. And that's where that anger kind of comes up where people are like, well, I, I said, I settled on not having kids for this time, but really I did want to have kids. Well, that's a big, big sacrifice to make. And I just personally don't know if it's is healthy to make sacrifices in relationships. I do understand compromises and I do understand trying to come up with middle grounds, but sacrifices really are you going against your own value system often or going against what matters very much to you. And so what I've said a lot is either you should avoid sacrifices or you should do them in small doses. And when people do them, they need deep understanding and respect for the fact that somebody did that. Um, what are your yes, thoughts on do that? Not, do not sacrifice in silence. Do not sacrifice in silence because oh, that's smart. Then it, then it just becomes the norm. And uh, if you continue to sacrifice, you start keeping count. The other person isn't yeah. because it's just... Because well, it was silence. They don't know you're the, sacrificing. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so much conflict arises just because of... Um, just poor communication and lack of transparency. So then you get this conflict or blow up where um, they say, oh, I gave up this for you. I, uh, one client moved. So picked up, relocated towards her boyfriend. Picked up, boop, moved. And that was a huge sacrifice for her. Had to quit her mm-hmm. job. She loses right. her whole social system and structure, everything, all of her resources, yes. you know? Absolutely. But 
what does the boyfriend see? My girlfriend is in love with me. She still FaceTimes with her girlfriends. Um, mm-hmm. She had a few interviews last week. Everything seems to be okay. She doesn't complain about it at all. We, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we don't usually read between the lines until we have to. It's a pretty clear scenario where this could be challenging for the girlfriend, for the woman Absolutely. in this scenario. And without this conscious acknowledgement of the sacrifice, mm-hmm. then you have a situation where it's just, oh, that was, that was her choice. That was, that was her choice. I didn't make her do that. Or um, that wasn't too hard for her to do. Um, and, you know, I think men and women, when they're for, faced with a big sacrifice, they rationalize it. And the rationalizing is a half step to sacrificing in silence because they say, oh, well, I, I lose my job, but, but maybe I can finally start that YouTube channel. Or mm-hmm. we will be closer to the beach and maybe I can, I can ride or read near the beach. And the, the significant other says, oh, that's a great idea. And it's hopeful. And she's, she's really just trying to cheer herself up or he's yeah. trying to cheer himself Psych up. Psych herself up. And exactly. Yeah. And what and they need from a partner is deep understanding. Like, hey, understanding. I know this was a big situation. I really appreciate that you did this. I'm sorry, like even even being able to say like, I'm sorry that you did lose those people because I know it means something to you. But I don't think, I think people come, sometimes kind of struggle with their emotional intelligence or like understanding. Because like you and me, we seem to be having that conversation. It's like, yeah, that was like a big deal when that person yeah. moved. But mm-hmm. sometimes people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm curious yeah. why, why you think that happens. <laughs> I, I think because... You try to you try to convince yourself that it's a good move, that it's a good move for both parties, that it's a mm-hmm. uh, a better city or a lower cost of living or um, any any myriad of reasons, and then mm-hmm. you stop talking about it. You don't want to nag. You don't want to be annoying. You don't want to appear like you regret or resent them, especially not at first. And so time passes and then it's too late to say anything. You've been living in the new city for six months. It's too late to say um, you resent making the sacrifice or you, you hate that it hasn't been acknowledged. And so time is really, especially in terms of boundaries or patterns in relationships or miscommunication, time, time can really, really cause... Um, some, some open wounds in relationships because as the time goes by, it just becomes more and more difficult to recover from that. Things get cemented, uh, changes don't happen, and then your pattern just becomes the norm. It's what you do. You know, one of the things you said there is just striking out for me is that I, I think that maybe one thing that's helpful for couples is that any topic should be able to come up again. You know, like I, I do, I actually understand that what you were talking about where it's like, well, I'm already here. It's already been too much time. It's too late for me to say anything. It's like saying something doesn't mean any actions occurring. Like that's something well, I always talk to my clients about that. No, you're just saying, Hey, this was a struggle for me. I am glad that we're here in some ways, but I'm also unhappy because there's a lot of work here and it's different and it's, I feel like a fish out of water, you know, it's an example. And it's, I think it's okay for people to bring that stuff up, but going back to your values thing we were talking about earlier, people have to learn to make that an okay thing, part of their relationship that it's like, nope, we're, hey, I am still struggling with this. I can, you know, because you can convince yourself out of your feelings for a a long time, actually, you know, right. when I think about it, it's like, you psych yourself up, you get there, it's like, no, it's going to be great. It's still going to be great. It's self-preservation. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, like, it can kind of creep up on you, that feeling of, holy shit, why did I move here? I'm so scared. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and what you should really be looking for, even before these situations happen, but they, this value actually rears its ugly head very often in these scenarios is this sense of responsibility. Find someone that isn't afraid to take responsibility. So for the one sacrificing, 
speaking and communicating clearly with their partner about the sacrifice that they're going to make. And then at the point the sacrifice is made, the decision is made, taking responsibility for that. Now, Mm -hmm. on the opposite side, for that partner, forcing a sacrifice or forcing a tough choice or uh, initiating an argument um, or causing conflict, they should also be acknowledging uh, their role in it and accepting responsibility. Until both partners can do that freely, um, conflict is going to struggle to be resolved. There's going to be scorekeeping. There's going to be resentment on both sides because then it's just a blame game, right? If I'm not accepting responsibility, then then it's your fault that you moved to my city, Angela. Like you said you, you, said you would like it. I told you I didn't want to go to Seoul. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, you said you wanted, you know, wanted kimchi and, 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 uh, Korean barbecue all the time. I did. I do love kimchi, but that you know. doesn't change what happens. See, exactly. This is what goes on. People have the kind of fight. <laughs> yeah. We're just playing here. But the reality is you can want, like, I think people need to understand that you can have mixed emotions too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can want these things. You can be excited about them, but the reality is, it can still be scary. Life can change in an instant. I think the pandemic taught us all that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Everything was cool to, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and it and it also taught us that like plans, oh my gosh, can quickly go out of the window. Yeah. You know, it's oh. interesting though cuz I think people are living their lives a little different now too. Like when mm-hmm. you face death, you live life more to the fullest. So I think people are really reevaluating who they are and what they're doing and what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And it's funny because that always happens around divorce or death, but I feel like pandemic was like the world's death. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We just have to figure out who we are now. Completely changed. Yeah, completely changed the way we operate. One thing that you help people do is to communicate a little better with their partners about sex and, uh, and finding their rhythm. So I'm kind of curious what work you do there. Okay. Um, And this is, again, stemming from things that may have happened in the past, because I really do try to focus pre-relationship, get people feeling comfortable with um, going into a relationship with the tools, um, with the strategies, approaches to be successful. So um, the one of the things that you mentioned earlier um, is is this um, in intentionality. Um, And so you've got, you're going into a new relationship. You want to communicate around um, sex and things like that. Um, It's really key to share your intentions with your partner in terms of, do you want to wait? Do you, what are you waiting for? Um, How do you express yourself sexually? What's your libido like? Um, and getting that information from your partner as well. Um, you know, I don't prescribe, I, I won't prescribe to any particular um, client, like, oh, this is how you should go about sex. And I've heard of 90 day rules and three date rules and things like that. I'm, I'm of the school of thought that think about what you want and what you're trying to communicate and be intentional with your actions so that you get what you want on the back end. If you don't want something serious, then I think you behave a certain way in sex um, or at certain times. I think if you may want something more serious, you might communicate differently uh, or a little differently around that. Um, the, the other piece is just being very open and, and kind of honest with your partner about uh, once you've engaged in sex, what feels good, what works, what doesn't, um, and sharing that so that they can respond and um, kind of pay that back, so to speak, right? So you share with them what works for you. They share what what may not work for them. And then, you know, touching on all of those areas so that you continue to improve, um, you continue to get better and more complementary to each other. That sounds good. Yeah, I feel like there's so many conversations around sex that couples... I mean, it's hard. You know, I actually knew this guy who would, on the first date, like put right out there the kinds of things he wanted sexually, but he was also not a very serious 
person when it came to relationships, right? So it was interesting yeah. because I feel like that helped him to just be direct and to the point. Right. But when it comes to relationships, there's this complex balance of, I want them to like me and sex is vulnerable. So I don't know how to share all these things, right. you know, and I don't, don't know that scare it's- scare people away. Um, <laughs> yeah, and things so like that. true. <laughs> yeah, but which is, which is tough though, because let's say mm-hmm. I like something that is going to scare my partner right? Like, let's say I really, really like it, whatever that is, then it's probably for the best that we communicate around that early enough to, to solidify what she's comfortable with, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable with that. What if we try this a different way? Or what if we do something else? And the same for, for her to me. Um, but you're right. Like a lot of times you're really trying to uh, be as standard as possible, at least in your speech and your communication so that you don't offend or don't scare anyone away. Right. Mm. Um, well, I've and, definitely seen that sometimes or like people won't bring out their sexual fantasies until a little bit later because they want to feel safe with a partner or that the partner's not going to judge them. But yeah. then what if it's too late and they really don't like your porn addiction, you know, or what? not that yeah, I, I don't consider that. I'm just yeah. being silly with that one, but yeah. it's just an example. But it's, of- but it's, but it's true. It's true. And um, I've, I've had clients or clients' friends um, talk about that exact same scenario. Or mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't really understand this one. Maybe you can under, maybe you can share it with me uh, or explain it to me. Um, I am not okay. This is from the the female perspective. I am not okay with porn unless we're watching it together. See, I personally think that comes from the people having a belief that you shouldn't have your own private sex life, which is something mm. I don't agree with. I yeah, think that I, people should I have a couple that. sex life and an individual sex life, and mm. we have rights to privacy. Mm. Um, and whether you watch porn during masturbating or whether you fantasize or whether you fantasize about your priest, I don't really care. You know, like it's your <laughs> internal monologue, and right. I, I don't like I, I don't like it because it feels like thought policing to me. Right. Where right. it's like, no, I mean, this really is something separate. This has been a part of my life. Now, if it feels like porn is taking over your sex life like he's more interested in watching porn than actually having sex I can see where that would be something that people would get bothered by but if it's just something somebody's doing on their own like your masturbation life is your own and people have a right to their privacy they really do Yeah. although a lot of people won't always agree with me on that (laughs) I completely agree and the thing about um, so sex life but in a couple uh, or in a relationship is actually um, a lot of people attribute it to like the cause of a lot of issues um, between two partners. Oftentimes, in my experience, I've seen it be the symptom of something that's not quite right, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. um, a lack of validation or attention or lack of service um, or, or effort. Um, it could be other things, uh, kind of external to the relationship, whether there's a lot of stress or one of you put on weight or haven't been able to sleep and things like that. And I get a lot of comments and a lot of questions around, oh my gosh, my boyfriend hasn't wanted to have sex with me in three months and I don't understand it. You know, this can be the result of a vicious cycle. Maybe it was really didn't feel like having sex for a week, right? In that week, let's play the scenario out because I've seen it happen this way a few times. It doesn't happen like this all the time. But okay, stressed at work, tired for a week. That week, she gets no validation or doesn't feel sexy. So then the next week, there's distance, right? That affirmation is gone. And so the guy, he may try, but doesn't try hard enough to overcome that barrier. And then there's this mutual distance to where they kind of sneak away and find satisfaction in their personal sex lives, as we spoke about. And then there's this, there's a lesser need for this mutual sexual validation and affirmation because of a, 
misunderstanding. And before you know it, it's been a month, three months or, or longer. Um, and you know, this poor communication has seeped in, um, this inability to manage stress or frustration has seeped in and affected your sex life. And then it just cycles through. It's like a, it's like a toilet bowl on its way down as it gets a little bit worse and worse. So I, I find those scenarios really interesting and to snap out of that, you just got to be really direct sometimes. It's like, no, hey, I agree what's going with you. on? Absolutely. No, I, I agree that people need, and I, I always encourage my clients to get a little direct quicker than that so that a month doesn't seem to pass. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's all these kind of, you know, he didn't try it this time. She didn't try mm-hmm. it this time. So maybe there's just, and like you make these those silent sacrifices that we were talking about earlier where you're just like, I guess they're just having a bad week or I've just, instead of directly talking to each other about, Hey, like, you know, it's been a week. We've kind of, I know we've been busy, but can we find a way to get back to this? Cause it means something. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if I don't get my clients being real direct, then I find that that cycle can continue and get longer and longer. Well, Elliot, I would love to keep talking to you, but we are actually <laughs> towards the end of the podcast. I'm like, wow, we filled that oh, one man. quick. Oh, <laughs> How can Top people five. find you, Elliot? Tell them your um, tell them your info. <laughs> All right, uh, I can be found on online at www.elliotdaviscoaching.com. Um, the Elliot has two L's and two T's. Very important not to miss that. Uh, www.elliotdaviscoaching.com and also on Instagram at uh, the underscore Elliot Davis. And so on Instagram, please DM me, uh, follow my um, content where I'm adding and sharing a lot of really helpful, insightful information around uh, relationships and Uh, On my website, I have uh, something that I would love to share with you, these five powerful steps to to building your best relationship. And I want you to uh, read through those. If you have any questions, if you're interested um, in learning more about those and expanding uh, in your knowledge around those, then have a call with me. There's an opportunity to schedule a call on my website and... um, I would love to talk you through some of that material and how we could potentially work together to to help you find this fantastic relationship that you've been waiting for. Well, thank you, Elliot, so much. And of course, this is Angela Skirtu. You can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com and also aboutsexpodcast.com. Um, thank you very much for everyone who's joined us and stay kinky, St. Louis.